Hello and welcome to A History of the United States, Episode 1, The New World. Remember that this is a listener-supported podcast and can only exist through the support of its members. So I would like to begin by saying thank you to listeners Tom and Richard, who are our first members. It is because of people like Tom and Richard who keep this show going. If you would like to become a member, please go to thehistoryofpodcast.com and click the PayPal subscription button. You can select a membership option, either monthly or yearly. You will then receive an email from me with a link to the membership feed. And you'll have access to the membership episodes, the first one of which will go out next week and will be an introduction to the Aztecs. Won't that be fun? So the website again is thehistoryofpodcast.com. Go there and click the subscribe button. Thank you. But now, on to the good stuff. In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Despite thinking that he had actually made his way to India, Columbus accidentally discovered America. Except by discovered, of course I mean he found something that millions of people knew about already. There were of course the indigenous people who had been living in America for thousands of years, in addition to the Norse Vikings having landed in a Newfoundland five centuries beforehand. Columbus would be a really odd place to start telling the story of America. Though the Spanish conquest of Mesoamerica is highly interesting, which is why it will be where our member series starts, should you wish to subscribe to that feed. But, as I say, that isn't where the main story starts. The story of America starts with the settlement of Jamestown, in what would become the state of Virginia. But before we get into that, I want to give a bit of background, which is why we will start today with the early voyages by the French and English to the Americas. This isn't to dismiss Native American history. Once we have the colonies established, I fully intend to go back and have a series of episodes charting what we know of pre-Columbian settlement. I'd just like to get at least some narrative set up before we begin expanding the story. This background will essentially be an overview. Those of you who know my other podcasts, particularly the series on Hannibal, will know that I love details. It's just that if I start going into the particulars of these voyages, we will not be making it to Jamestown anytime soon, and certainly not by the next episode. While the Spanish and Portuguese first began exploring in earnest, going so far as to divide the world between them, they never really went into North America. The Spanish began creating New Spain, following on from the voyages of Columbus, and Portugal claimed the land of Brazil in 1500. They were driven by greed for the massed amounts of gold had by the Aztecs and Inca civilizations. That isn't moralising. The sheer volume of gold taken back to Spain and Portugal would cause rampant inflation throughout the 16th century. There were, of course, other reasons, such as a desire to explore, to find a new route to the east, to see the mysterious civilizations of the Americas, and to spread Christianity. This was a mission to save souls. The gold was just a bonus. At least that's the official version of events. It is worth mentioning that 90% of natives died by disease by 1600 from contact with the Europeans. And with that, I'll allow you to draw your own conclusions about why the Europeans were there. So very little was done about North America for some time. There were early voyages, such as Giovanni Chabato, more commonly known as John Carbot, who landed in Newfoundland in 1497 and claimed it for England. 
but he was in no position to actually claim the land. He discovered the ample supply of fish the region had. This may seem trivial, but fish was a precious resource in the Middle Ages. The diet of the average European lacked protein, and Catholics needed to eat fish on Fridays and in Lent. Things began to pick up in the 1520s, with the French. King Francois I encouraged French activity in the region. In 1924, he funded Giovanni da Varazzano to explore the Atlantic coast in which he found Manhattan Island and the Hudson River. Jacques Cartier of Saint-Malo would be the next great explorer. Fascinated by the voyages of Verrazzano, Cartier was determined to launch an expedition. He sent a letter in 1533 to Philippe de Chabot, Sieur de Brion, High Admiral of France. He passed the letter on to King Francois, who loved the idea. And in the next year, the expedition set sail, with the intention of finding the Northwest Passage to the Indies. It landed in Newfoundland, and then explored the St. Lawrence Gulf. A second expedition was launched in 1535, in which the St. Lawrence River was explored. Cartier constructed a fort during this expedition. It would only survive a year before being abandoned, something very common with these early settlements, but it is noteworthy for its location. It was the location of the city of Quebec. It was Cartier who named the area New France, and who also gave it another name, which has stuck. Canada. This was the first interior exploration of North America by a European. The next logical step would be further investment, and ensuring the establishment of a permanent colony, but this would not happen for over half a century following Cartier. France was about to become entangled in the 16th century religious wars. Dreams of an empire in the New World were to be placed on the back burner. In the second half of the 16th century, it would be England trying to challenge Spanish hegemony. The conflict between Spain and England is long and complicated, and I don't want to get into the whole thing here. I want to, but we need to make it to Jamestown. As Inigo Montoya of The Princess Bride would say, Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. Medieval Europe was a world of warfare. It was a constant struggle to get ahead. But the game changed when Columbus landed in America. Her empire made Spain a global superpower, and so the states of Europe became hostile to Spain. England was particularly hostile due to the whole Mary I marrying Philip II of Spain thing, so when Elizabeth I came to the throne, Spain would be no friend. Attempts were made to disrupt the Spanish Empire. Francis Drake caused trouble for the Spanish in the Caribbean, so the Spanish retaliated by causing trouble in Ireland. Walter Raleigh, the greatest of the English privateers, decided that he would cause trouble in return by founding a colony on the Atlantic coast of America. He named the area Virginia, after the Virgin Queen Elizabeth. It must be noted that this Virginia bears little resemblance to the modern state of Virginia. Defining American geography was very fast and loose at this stage in history, and place names don't have exact definitions. Florida was pretty established by this point. While it would not join the Union until 1845 to become the 27th state, Florida has a very long history. It was discovered in 1513 by Juan Ponce de Leon and was named after the Spanish Easter festival, Pascua Florida, the Feast of Flowers. Ponce de Leon 
would make another expedition in 1521, in which he tried to establish a colony, but it was attacked by natives and failed. Hernando de Santa would go treasure hunting in 1539, but Florida did not have the riches of the other areas of the New World, and nothing was really done with Florida by Spain. The French became interested. Jean Ribau explored the region in 1562, and in 1564, René Goulain de Laudonnière founded Fort Caroline at the mouth of the St. John River, not too far away from Jacksonville. Once the French were involved, the Spanish accelerated their plans. In 1565, Pedro Mendez de Alvarez founded San Augustin, which has the honour of being the first permanent European settlement in the United States. Fort Caroline was quickly captured and renamed San Mateo. A French assault was launched to take it back, but it was unsuccessful. The Spanish were permanently entrenched in Florida. So Florida was pretty defined at this point, then to the north was the area of Norumbega. There was a pretty big difference between the two. Florida, unlike Norumbega, actually existed. People tell tall tales, and rumours existed of a powerful civilization somewhere in what is known today as New England, called Norumbega, and for a while the name stuck. So, when Raleigh named the region Virginia, he was naming everything between Norumbega and Florida. Actually, I'd like to say a quick word on geography while we're on this topic. I'm going to work on the assumption that the listener has a reasonable understanding of US geography. I'm not saying able to name state capitals or or to completely label a map of the US even. Just, you know, a reasonable understanding. Like knowing where New York is or that Montana isn't next to Texas. But back to Raleigh. I told you I get distracted. Jamestown. Must get to Jamestown. This colony would be in a prime location to pry on Spanish ships. So, in 1585, Raleigh placed a colony on Roanoke Island in modern North Carolina, and I'm probably pronouncing that very wrong, I'm sorry. Um, The colony didn't last very long. The settlers wanted to return, and Francis Drake brought them back in 1586. The following year, Raleigh moved more colonists back, but then the English became a bit distracted dealing with the Spanish Armada. Unfortunately, when Raleigh returned to Roanoke, the settlement had disappeared. This brought to an end English attempts to settle Virginia, for the moment, although the name of Virginia would stick. Spain began to take a calmer approach to her empire as the 16th century closed. She began to expand from Florida. Spain advanced north, moving into Georgia and then the Carolinas, but Spain was no longer as powerful as she once was. New Spain was more secure, defences had been improved in the Caribbean, and Drake's attempted attack of Panama in 1595 was unsuccessful. It was a larger state, but less powerful. In the 17th century, other states would not be kept out of North America, as they had been in the 16th. New France would develop along the St. Lawrence, New England in Massachusetts, New Netherland along the Hudson River, centred on New Amsterdam, which would eventually be renamed New York, and New Sweden along the Delaware River, not to mention Jamestown. Of all of these, it would be England who would have the most success, so it's worth spending a moment asking why. You see, there was an important realisation with Jamestown and New England, which would change the nature of the New World. 
The previous colonies had been set up for profit, either taking gold or for launching raids. This was why Raleigh wanted to set up the colony at Roanoke. It was realised that land would be what kept a colony going. The land would need to be worked, and they would need to be kept well supplied, and the sea routes kept open, and the culture would need to adapt to the new situation. England was best suited for these things. As the dominant power on an island, as long as the navy was kept powerful, it was impossible for England to be invaded, and the distance from the continent meant that England was not lured into a continental empire. While there was an English civil war, it was on a small scale compared to the conflicts on the continent, and the lasting result was the strengthening of the English political institutions. The English had done little in the 16th century. It was one of the weakest states in Europe. It was still divided between the houses of Lancaster and York. Henry VIII had numerous costly foreign wars. There was no real trade to speak of. England produced wool and cloth, both of which declined after 1550. Yet, all this toughened up the English. It produced the great privateers, Drake and Raleigh. Numerous trading companies were set up, the most famous of these being the East India Company, but it was one of many. Wealth steadily grew, as did the desire to get back at Spain for the Armada. In 1600, principal navigations, voyages and discoveries of the English nation were published, which excited the mind about the possibilities in America. It was believed that Virginia would be a rich land. There were concerns about the restless population caused by the wars, and sending them to America seemed like a great way to avert social troubles. They could spread Christianity to the heathens. It was believed that if the Irish could be civilised, then so could the Native Americans. (sighs) It's really not hard to work out where the British self-loathing comes from. We have Shakespeare and then find out that they thought things like that. Anyway, that gives some picture of why England was poised to be so successful in establishing her colonies. All that is left to do is to found the colony, which is what we shall do next week in episode 2. If you've enjoyed the show, find out more online, thehistoryofpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash thehistoryofpodcast, and at historyjamie on Twitter. Remember, this is a listener-supported podcast. If you want the podcast to continue, you can become a member at thehistoryofpodcast.com and click the subscribe button. You can also leave a review or rating on iTunes. I can't stress enough how much that helps. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 